millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night podcast from Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall. Pleasure as always to be in your company. Before we get stuck into today's content, please subscribe. We're available on iTunes and we are available via the TalkSport website for all Android users. We don't want you missing out on any of our Fight Night content, any of our boxing-related content. So make sure you subscribe to us and therefore we will deliver to you on a week-by-week basis. Right, let's get stuck into what happened on Saturday night's live show. Obviously, we were on air whilst Fight Camp Week 1 was taking place at Matchroom HQ. Uh, the main event at Fight Camp Week 1 was supposed to be Conor Ben versus Adrian Granado. Sadly, that fight didn't materialise because Conor Ben, throughout the course of the week, tested positive for COVID-19. We wish him all the best in his recovery. Uh, but his, his head trainer, Tony Sims, came to join myself and Gareth on the show to talk about his current situation, when the fight might get rescheduled, and the rise of the Young Destroyer. Obviously, disappointing uh, news this week from uh, from Connor, but these are the sign of the times. I know that obviously from speaking to Connor just over text earlier on this week, um, the the camp had gone extremely well. It was extremely tight. All the precautions had been taken in order to avoid this situation. Um, but it it fears no man uh, does COVID, and it can get you at any time. So incredibly disappointing, obviously, for him to test positive earlier on this week. Yeah, definitely. He, he had a great camp. He had a good 10-week camp. And um, as you say, we took all the precautions. Um, we, uh, you know, we were testing all the sparring partners that was coming in. But, you know, it's like uh, you don't know where it comes from. You know, it's an invisible germ and you can just catch it walking down the street. So you don't really know where it comes from. And, uh, you know, you felt on the Monday, he looked really sharp on the Monday and Tuesday, you know, and... Uh, tested positive on the Thursday so mm. you know it was really disappointing you know and he felt fine in himself but um, since then he hasn't been very well but um, you know it's just one of them things you know you're just hearing it you know all the time I was listening to the uh, Olympics and uh, you know the swimmers have got in the Olympics and it's just it's just terrible really 
Tony, just going forward now, because obviously Eddie will be asked the question on television tonight, what's the situation, when can we get the fight back on? And we know that that fight's going to be rearranged. He's already mentioned, this is Eddie, uh, fight camp week three, which is, the, which is two weeks away, or the possibility of September the 4th. It, it, I, I personally, um, just from understanding when people do catch this, this virus, it's, it's incredibly difficult to predict because we don't know what the effects will be on Connor until you get him back in the gym and find out where his cardio's at. Yeah, that's correct. And, um, you know, it won't be nowhere near August the 14th. The earliest it'll be is um, September the 4th. And um, as you say, it's all depending on uh, on how he recovers and, uh, you know, each individual recovers differently from COVID, you know, so... It all depends, really, how he goes next week. Mm. Just on him, because I was extremely excited, obviously, to watch him uh, uh, fight this evening, and I've told him this to his face. Um, two, three years ago, I didn't know what type of level Connor could have hit. Uh, we were all guessing, I think, as, uh, as pundits in the game. Every time we saw him fight, obviously, he was extremely exciting. Um, but the last couple of performances have obviously got a lot of people that know a bit about boxing extremely excited about him. Talk to me about this from from your point of view uh, and his development over that two, three-year period and how impressed you have been with him to the level that he's at right now. Yeah, he's, he, he, he's progressed uh, so fast, really, um, from, from a novice into, into uh, you know, a really good fighter and... Uh, I think that's a lot to do with the quality sparring he's got at my gym and, uh, you know, his, his real will to learn and also, you know, our professional he is in everything he does from the diet until to his SMC. You know, he's got his own physio. So he, um, everything he does, he's very professional and, you know, he's like a sponge and he, he wants to learn, he wants to be, you know, fitter than anybody else in the gym and, you know, that, that's what he's all about and watching him spar that's when I asked Eddie to start stepping him up on his um, on his opponents because you know he sparred Kel Brook you know he sparred he's been sparring all really good fighters I took him to America he sparred Yulkos Gambauer in America and you can just see his progression onto world level really so you know he's not really that far off now of actually fighting for a world title exciting T Tony some one of the things about Connor, he's a very emotional character. So I wonder, and in a way, you're like a father figure to him. Did you have to counsel him this week a, a little bit? A little bit, yeah, because like obviously he was in tears on the day, and you know, you know, he still wanted to fight. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a little bit, but I said, listen, it's just a little, you know, hump in the road, and uh, you know, you'll get better soon, and then we'll we'll set the set the date out again for the Granada's fight. So, you know, once once I got through to him, and um, you know, he was fine the next day when I spoke to him. It's really just all about, you know, getting better and regrouping now, and then getting back into the gym, get back on the sparring, and I'm sure in a few weeks' time you'll be fine again. It feels like you and I have been around since the arc in boxing, Tony, if I can. <laughs> um, but when you hear, and I've said it myself, and I know Adam's said it, potentially Connor is the next box office star outside the heavyweights in the UK. He's really coming on all the time. 
when you hear that, do you have to kind of counsel in your own mind and with him that you just have to be careful that he isn't pushed up there too quickly? Yeah, in, in a way, because the, the, this is why I want to get these sort of learning fights in, like the Vargas fight, obviously. You know, I, I, I thought he'd be a good opponent for him to learn with. Obviously, he blew him away and around, but with Granadas, I feel like he's a, he's a little bit better than Vargas and he'll get some rounds from him. And that's what I was looking for, maybe another couple of fights like that, just to get him the rounds and experience him with world-level fighters. And then, um, obviously, the, the Amir Khan fight's been talked about a lot. And um, I know Amir's interested in doing the fight as well. So, you know, within the next couple of fights, that's the sort of fight I would like to make, really, for him. It's important as well, I think, from, from fans' point of view, because he feels like he's been around forever does Connor uh, on on this journey and he's kind of grown up in front of our our eyes he's still a young man he's still a baby he's still in his early 20s there's, but there's there's plenty of time uh, for him to uh, to go on to achieve all the things that we're now starting to expect um so again just to reiterate what Gareth said just there a, a moment or two ago and you're, you're saying the exact same thing there it's that these are the fights these are the perfect fights now for him just to get that experience before we're starting to talk about going over to America and taking on x y and z or even the likes of someone like a David Avanesian for example who's a, an accomplished guy here at, at, at European level those levels of fights are there but maybe one or two more before we get there yeah a couple more fights you know similar to Granada's, a little touch better than that each time he goes on. But, you know, I can see the progression he's making. He can punch with either hand like his dad could. And he's like 25 years old, so he's maturing there. But he's also got a great boxing brain on him. He's very smart and he, and he defends and he's, um, he's got a nice jab. He's got fast hands. So he's getting an all-round ability with his punching power. So what he just needs now is... Two or three more really good experienced fights with decent world level fighters, you know, and um, he'll be ready to let off the leash properly then. I know that obviously you're coming at that from uh, from the fight uh, angle of the sport, and that is the most important angle of the sport, of course. But from Manning Gareth's point of view, we we do kind of like. Um, fighters that can talk the talk as well as walk the walk, and he's got that as well. He's got the marketability. He's a fantastic guy on the microphone too, which is which is important, especially if you want to cross yeah. over to those wider audiences. Yeah, I mean the public, you know, they they love Connor, like you say, I said earlier. He's he's an emotional guy, and he, you know, he, he talks from the heart, and I think that's what people like to, you know, like to hear. And um, you know, he's got a massive fan base. And as you say, you know, behind the heavy, big heavyweights in uh, in this country, he's probably the next biggest fighter or the next biggest name uh, fighting at the minute, you know. And uh, you can just see by the numbers that tune in to watch his fights that he's, you know, how big he is. And, um, you know, uh, he's exciting. And, and that's what people want to watch. They want to watch fighters who are exciting. And as I say, talk from the heart, and he's got a great personality to go with that. Now, other big news this week from the world of boxing is one of our gold medal Olympians deciding to retire from the professional game. Three-time world title challenger Luke Coolhand Campbell decided to retire earlier on this week, and he made that announcement on Friday here on TalkSport. 
is the Olympic bantamweight champion. I'm not sure he's going to make it this time. He's trying so hard. It's all over. Knocked out in four rounds. Biggest win of Luke Campbell's career. And Derry Matthews couldn't drag himself up. Oh, big news this week. Luke Campbell announcing his retirement from professional competition and illustrious career. Of course, the peak, uh, becoming Olympic gold medalist at London 2012 Games. Stepped into the professional rank and did not have it easy. We're going to wax lyrical uh, about his efforts uh, in the professional game in a moment or two. But I think we should hear from Luke uh, before we carry on with Fight Night here on Talk Sport because he was on mid-mornings with Natalie Sawyer and Perry Groves on Friday where he announced that retirement. It's something I've been sitting on now for the past six months. And, you know, there's been sleepless nights, going to bed, you know, crying and mm. not being in a good place. But I, I'm, I'm finally, I'm finally past that now. And I'm, I'm content with my decision. Um, and I certainly think it's, it's the right move for me. So how long ago did you have those, you know, sort of inklings that, you might think about it because it doesn't just come on uh, overnight, does it? You have you have these little thoughts over a period of time. Yeah, I got back from my last fight in January, and it was probably mid-January. It it felt like felt like someone had just flipped a switch, and you know, every every time after a fight, I'm a week after I'm back in the gym, constantly training, and it just felt like there was, the switch was turned off and. From then, it's just I've just been going through the process of it all for the past few months. What about your family? How important was this decision that you made that you made with your family? Well, uh, I've been looking at it this way. Like for me now, time is the most important thing. Time you're never going to get back. And I, I picture myself going back away in training camp because I've been on the road now. For 20 years I've been fighting for 22 years and I picture myself now going back away back in training camp and I and what I say to myself is I'm wasting time I'm wasting time that I could mm. be spent spending with my family and, and and things like that and all of a sudden I'm looking at boxing being back in training camps as wasting time and I just think that you know what I'm 33 years old now which I'm I, I'm a young fresh 33-year-old with still plenty of miles on the clock. But for me now, it's just a time in my life where I want to dedicate myself to my family and I want to be at home. I've got loads of things going on back at home as well, um, what I'm excited about. And I guess it's, yeah, my goals and ambitions have, have took a different direction in life now. I was 22 years old when I had my first uh, child. And I'm 33 now, and I certainly think uh, I certainly think 
completely different to what I do when, now to what I was when I was 20, 22 years old, you know, and, and my youngest son, that's 10 months old now, he threw a, a spanner in the works and it's been ever since I, I had my latest child, didn't really want to go away no more. Uh, Luke Campbell, um, on with Natalie Sawyer and Perry Groves a little earlier on this week, on the day that he announced uh, his retirement from professional competition uh, in the boxing ring. 33 years of age, an incredibly classy and dignified young man. We've had him on TalkSport on many occasions, working alongside myself and Gareth. I have no doubts uh, that if he wants to share a mic with us at some point in the future, uh, he most certainly will be welcomed uh, with open arms onto, uh, onto the show. So much to offer the sport of boxing, whether that is to uh, go on and train future athletes with all the experience that he gained in the amateur ranks when he went on to become an Olympic gold medalist, or whether it's, uh, whether it's something that he wants to get stuck into in the, uh, in, the, uh, in, the, um, in the professional ranks when it comes to uh, obviously working in the media. He can, uh, he can do the lot without any shadow of a doubt, can, can Luke Campbell. Um, and it's quite refreshing, actually, Gareth, uh, to... Uh, to hear Luke speak in the way that he spoke, because there's so many people, and I think I put a tweet about this a, a little earlier on, about the amount of people that can class themselves as a world champion today. We've got 17 professional weight classes in the men's game, uh, which obviously kind of makes you think that there's a possibility to have 17 world champions. Um, with four sanctioning bodies, obviously that duplicates, but the WBA, for example, have got 44 people currently classing themselves as some some type of champion, whether it's super regular interim or, or in recess. Uh, and when you look at Luke Campbell's career, um, he has been, I don't want to say unfortunate, because I think Luke Campbell's career is how a professional boxer's career is supposed to look. Not everybody's supposed to go on to become the champion of the world. It's supposed to be a very difficult thing to do. He was most certainly capable if we're comparing it to other people, but he had a very, very tough ride, tough opposition, the Linares, the Lomachenkos, the Ryan Garcia's of this world to have a shot at the world title. He was very unfortunate with the way that the cookie crumbled for him. Yeah, absolutely. Look, look at his record, right? On paper, he's the most gifted amateur we've ever had. Yeah. Um, an amazing career in so many different ways, Adam. As you say, London 2012 gold, World Championship silver in 2011, the year before at Baku, gold in the European Championships in Liverpool in 2008. Steadily growing, as you say, look at his pro career. The only defeats early on against Ivan Mendy when he was coming through in his 13th fight. Jorge Linares, well, he was still at his peak at the Forum here in Inglewood, where I'm going to be tonight for the WBA and ring lightweight titles, where he was put down early and he came back in the fight. You know, that was way back in um, 2017 now. And his father had just passed away as well. And his father was a, a big figure in his life. And like you say, his last two fights, defeats. But Vasyl Lomachenko, on an incredible night where we were uh, in uh, the O2 Arena that night. God, that feels a long time ago now, but it was yeah. August 2019. And as you say, I mean, I worked on the broadcast when he fought Ryan Garcia as well. And... You know, he was the first person to drop Ryan Garcia. And I think Garcia is going to go on to be a massive star in this sport. Um, like you say, he's still got his gold uh, phone box, yeah. his MBE. Um, he's achieved so much. And like you say, he's always been so classy. And I think he will go on to be a figure in boxing. There's no doubt about it. I think he'll become a renowned trainer. He's opened his gym, hasn't he? He drives the right car, which is a Jaguar. Um, 
<laughs> now, in every way, having been around him and his family and met them at the Olympics and his wife and his kids, he's a model sportsman. What's, what's Luke Campbell ever done wrong? Hmm. Zero. Hmm. And, you know, we wish him well. And as you say, I hope we are working with him as we go forward. Hmm. It's also quite a brave decision as well. It's, uh, at this yeah. stage of your life, at 33 years of age, you just heard there, he's not punch drunk. He's not been hit that often. Um, he's got all his faculties. He's an incredibly well-tuned athlete. He's got plenty left. He's got plenty left to offer the game. To make this decision just shows what type of competitor I think uh, Luke Campbell is. He's a guy that has always gone for the biggest of prizes in the sport, whether they be at amateur level or at professional level. And I think once you realise... I've had three cracks at the very top level. It's going to be a long road back for me to get back to the top level. What's the point? I've cracked everything else in the game. There's no point in going if I can't get there in my next fight. Yeah, but also he's one of those guys like he stayed at 135 pounds, which is lightweight. You know, he's 33. He's, he's nearly six foot tall. Okay. He could easily have gone up to 140 and had a fight with an Adrian Broner or um, challenged some other guys that, he's still capable, especially with this new Eddie Hearn and, uh, and DAZN deal, Matchroom and DAZN deal. They could have carved big fights for him as co-main or main events on, on big cards. There's no doubt about it. He could have earned a, a couple more million, no question. He could have endured for seven or eight more fights over five more years hmm. and still won a world title. But he knows his value. And you have to respect that, you know? Um, he's a world champion in my eyes. He will go down as one of our greatest amateurs ever and one of the guys of this era, you know? Mm. Um, and it's funny, you know, when you hear Anthony Joshua saying, oh, I'm going to go for another 10 years. No, you're not. You won't be around <laughs> in five years' time. You might not be around in three years' time. It, and he won't be. He will not be fighting in 10 years' time. And get him. Make as much money as you can and get out. That's get the game. Out. With all your faculties intact, Absolutely. as young as you can. Absolutely right, Adam. And uh, Luke Campbell most certainly has done that. Luke, if you are listening, you're probably watching fights at the moment, mate. But if you are listening, if you listen back to this on Catch Up, you're welcome on TalkSport anytime. So come and sit in the chair with me and Gareth and we'll uh, wax lyrical over a fantastic career. Seems quite apt as well, seeing as that uh, uh, the games in Tokyo are currently going on too. Last week, you may remember that we were at Wembley for George Joyce taking on Carlos Takam. What an event that was live on TalkSport. Now we're seven days removed from that. The dust has settled. So it's time to get a proper review of what happens next with a juggernaut with his manager, Sam Jones. One man that is uh, in charge of helping uh, Joe get to those uh, lofty heights uh, and navigate his career is his manager from S-Jam. Uh, one half of S-Jam, uh, Sam Jones, joining us right now. Sam, great to have you back on the show, mate. How are you? Uh, yeah, interesting listening to, to Gareth. I was just patiently listening to what he was saying. Um, it's just interesting people's perspective on Joe. He beats the yeah. war easily with a jab. Took, took, in the round two, shipped a couple of shots. But ultimately, good movement. Sh didn't take any punishment, not a mark on his face. One with the lead hand. The second, he has a fight with Takam where he gets into it, but he's a bit careless because he's disregarding his he's disregarding his power. Joe's found another way, a different way, a different way to win this time, and people still say that. Oh, he's got he's no chance against Joshua. A little fat man beat Joshua in in New York. Joshua's a great. Didn't champion. say no chance, Sam. I didn't say no chance. He, he's he's he, a little fat man beat him in New York. Yeah, beat him to beat him to the to the punch. Yeah. 
Joshua's beatable. Tyson Fury is the best ever in, in the world, in my opinion. That is that is that's a given. That's correct. But if you look at the way Tyson fought Wilder, he can't fight Joe like that. Tyson's my friend. He can't he can't go and fight Joe like that. Or the way he fought Otto Wallin, no chance. Joe's got the, a chance. Joe's got a chance to beat every heavyweight in the world. Look at his resume. Look at look at his resume after thirteen fights. Oh, it's there unbelievable, one, mate. There isn't there isn't one there isn't one like it. And I think that's the beautiful thing about it. I think the matchmaking of Joe's professional career has been absolutely spot on. He steps up every single time. He, he shows us something new every single time and surprises. I think for a lot of fight fans, because I've spoken to loads this week about last week's show uh, and, uh, and obviously Joe's performance. I think because it is so different, it's so unorthodox. Not a lot yeah. of people are used to seeing that type of style become successful. Mm-hmm. They don't, it, it, it's kind of defying logic a little bit, you know what I mean? People are going off what they believe, well, this is the norm, this is the textbook, yeah. and he isn't, he isn't the textbook, is he? He's, 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 no, he's, no he, not... he, he, he isn't, but the, if you watch, listen, Joshua, who, who I, believe me when I say this, I admire very much, I get on with his team, I really like Anthony Joshua, he's a wonderful sportsman, and he's done amazing things for British boxing, but if you watch his Olympic final and watch Joe's Olympic final, Joe's, Joe won the gold more than he won the gold. If you yeah. watch the fights back, that's just a fact. So people disregard Joe's boxing ability just because I remember watching Joe, I don't want to bore you all to death, but I remember Joe watch, fighting Lenroy Thomas like on the edge of my seat when he watched, won the Commonwealth title in his fourth fight. He leant over the ropes and smiled because I just knew he didn't care about Lenroy Thomas's power. I said to him, I always ask him, I say, Joe, did, did, can Takam here? And he just goes, not in the slightest. He's an honest guy, you know, Gareth. You know him, Adam. You, yeah. he's not very, you can't get a more honest guy to me. And he just goes, well, he, he, he didn't feel a thing. A Sam, the thing is, what, what I was trying to say earlier on, I, I, I don't know if you were on listening when Adam and I were first talking about Joe. What I said was, he could be anyone, but I just favoured those guys. Listen, I think Joe is an extraordinary talent. What people shouldn't expect is him to be an elusive fighter. He was because of his jab against Dubois. I thought it was a fantastic performance, as you say. I mean, we even saw you cry that night, mate. You oh, cried. Yeah, it meant, yeah, it, you it cried meant a lot because it meant I know. A lot because I've been in his corner backing him against yeah. people, saying how useless he is. You know what I mean? So it means a lot. But but he's but but the, one of his greatest qualities for me is, and if if you've got this at heavyweight, if you've got a great chin you can become a world champion. It's the same. 100% chin and engine. Huge jump. Exactly. He's got both of those things, but he's also got great desire. The, the difficulty, I think, for you guys is his age and the way that there's a traffic jam in the heavyweight yeah. division right now. That's the problem, really, isn't it, in many ways? They'll call, they'll call, an, um, they'll call it next year, Gareth, 100%. The, the, the first quarter of next year, I'm, I'm under, as I say, I, I've, I've been told by a very reliable people that they're going to call they're going to call the fight so whether joe does fight joshua or fury for the belt who knows but joe will fight for the world heavyweight title next year but if what? they have a t- if they have two fights so if you, let's say fury and and joshua both win yeah and they do have two fights that'll extend you into the autumn next year though won't it no 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 because what what will happen there gareth is they will have the fight which listen to me me and joe want to see that fight people want to yeah. see the two best heavyweights in the world go at it yeah and, and right then the wbo show, belt will come free yeah co- correct yeah and then the second right. fight if they want to if they want to have a second fight that's up to them but Joe's not going to. Joe, Joe won't wait around for a second fight. He will demand yeah. that he fights, and we're not interested in no step aside money. Joe wants to f- become world heavyweight champion. He's thirty-five years old. I don't want him to be around for a long period of time because his mum will kill me. So I want him to. <laughs> I want him to. I want him to win. 
I, I believe Joe's good enough to win a world heavyweight title, and once he's done that, we'll, we'll evaluate everything. But I don't want him in, in, around around boxing till till he's nearly forty. But I believe Joe is coming into his is, is in his prime, is in his in his physical prime. I really do believe that. What do you do in the interim, Sam, match-up-wise now? Uh, because there's talk that, obviously, October is, is something that you, you, you're contemplating for him to get back out. Who, who's that fella, fella uh, Dubois beat uh, like 18 months ago? Fujimoto. Yeah, him. Someone like him. <laughs> <laughs> Bogdan Dinu. Someone like that. No, of course not. We're going to just keep doing what we're doing. I mean, I mean, there's... there's if I, I'm not can't tell you some of the names that we've I've, I've had a conversation with Frank about over over the weekend, but there's some good, good, solid names. I mean, there's an option we could go to America and have a fight there, but Joe being Joe, as I say, I'm not just saying this, but look at his CV. We're not going to go and fight somebody, yeah. a, a no-hoper. Why Joe, don't you fight the little fat Mexican? Listen, Gareth, you, I'll say this again. Let me tell you, let me, the honest truth about this. Joe went to Big Bear and um, had some really good spars with Charles Martin. Andy yeah. Ruiz got in there and did two rounds with Charles Martin and couldn't breathe after the second. So he had to get... We said, let's spar Andy Ruiz like tomorrow. He didn't want to spar Joe. Mm. I'd, I would yeah. put... People say, oh, Ruiz would beat Joe. How will he beat Joe? <laughs> if Daniel Dubois, who is still one of the biggest punches in the heavyweight division, by the way, if he can't knock Joe out, Andy Ruiz is not knocking Joe out. There's loads of interesting options, isn't there? Because, you, oh, like you just said... Yeah, all, you, of, like, all of them. Well, I kind of like the Tony Yorker fight, mate. You know what I mean? Just because of the but Olympics. What's he bringing to the table? What's, he, what's yeah. he bringing? I'm just saying, what's just he... for a bit of retribution from the Olympics. You know, maybe I've got too much Olympic favour going on, Sam. Maybe that's what yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. I, I I understand that, but like the the only thing Tony, I mean Tony Yorker's not really done anything in the pros. The only thing that's really made headlines is the fact he missed four drug tests, Adam. So he needs to do something. <laughs> he needs to do something to 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 earn his, his his chance against Joe. We're not interested in Tony Yorker until he's bringing something other than a four-failed drug test to the table, uh, Adam. I like it, man. No, listen, I, I think the beautiful thing about this is, and I know that um, obviously you're passionate about this, I think there's a lot of fans now on the Joe Joyce train. Uh, I'm sure you're feeling that. You saw, you saw the fans come out for him last week. He was the main yeah. attraction last week. They came out for him. He's always been... When you're talking about heavyweights in, in the UK, amongst, amongst the majority of fans, they always obviously speak about AJ. They speak about Fury. They mention Dubois. They mention Dillian White. And Dillian White, yeah. Yeah, Joe's name didn't really get touted around. But the last couple of performances, the last year or so, the more I speak to people, they're asking me, can this guy go on? What, 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 how many shots can he take? What, what, you know what I mean? All the, people are asking questions about Joe Joyce now. People are interested in the journey and they're invested in it as fans. And that is good from a commercial point of view, of course, but also it must be good from your point of view to see him getting some type of re uh, recollection and some accolades from that fan base. Yeah, this is what I mean. Like, if I'd have been there in, in the Olympics, and it is relevant to what we're saying, when Joe got robbed, I would have probably been banned from BBC because of my, my I remember watching it I remember watching it on TV yeah so this is the reason why like sometimes I feel like maybe I have to talk a bit as, as loud as I do because I want people I want eyeballs on Joe they're so right they don't like me no problem just watch Joe and admire him for what for what he is because he, he's I, I believe there's something that well I know there is like I've seen Joe I, I've never seen Joe troubled in a spa and I, and I mean this 
I've never seen him troubled in a spot, and he rises to the occasion every single time. Honestly, being around Joe in the change room, you'd think he was waiting for a kebab on, after a night out on a Saturday. He's not interested. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's a special guy, like in the sense of go, you, you, he's going out to war with loads of people there waiting for him, loads of pressure on him, being mandatory in the WBO. Takam's last chance, and Joe wasn't. Joe wasn't bothered. He was just biding his time. And if you listen to Joe's interview before on BT Sport, he said, oh, "I'll beat him in round six. Yeah, the, yeah, he did. Um, back, he did, yeah. <laughs> the, the, um, and like you say, there's no doubt Joe has a very low resting heart rate. Um, we know when he fights. And he's... <laughs> um, the, the, can, I, can I just ask you, because, you know, I've, we've got an interview with Bob Arum coming up in the next section when he's talking about Anthony Robert Joshua Arum. and Alexander Usyk. How do you see, do you see, obviously Joe was going to fight Alexander Usyk. Do you see... You said giving Joshua problems on September the 25th. You and Joe must have talked about it. This is the way I see it, Gareth. Not that, even though I'm an irrelevant chubby man from Derby, this is my opinion on that fight. I think Joshua can iron him out inside six rounds. But I think everyone keeps saying, oh, the longer it goes, it favours the big man. I completely disagree. I think the longer the fight goes, if Usyk gets into a rhythm, the more problems he can give Joshua. But I think if Joshua lands his enormous right hand, I just don't see that. I mean, believe me when I tell you this, and I've and I've witnessed it. I've I've witnessed him sparring. Murat Gassiev is the heaviest hitting man, bar Golovkin, pound for pound. I've probably ever seen in my life. So, but I think Joshua being the bigger man, and I think I think he's he, Usyk can take a punch, but from his last few performances at heavyweight, he's not impressed me. I think Derek Chisora gave him problems. I think. Um, he even bullied he, him early he, on, didn't he? he bullied yeah, he him bullied him with a spoon. His debut with a spoon. I, 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 if it's the same Usyk, Joshua wins. But I do think the long, if the fight goes long, listen, Usyk, well, he's, he's, a, he's a genius. He's a genius. In, the do, in my view, adds um, Sam, if if Alexander Usyk is there in the eleventh and twelfth round, I think Joshua's done something wrong. Yes, big problems. View. Correct. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think surely the game plan, as I say. Not that I'm a relevant person, but if I was if I was a coach, I would say you need to get this 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 fella out of here within six. Do not let him get into a rhythm, smother him, lean all over him. By eight. Use your, use use your, use your, use, your, use, your, use your, your natural size and just lean all over him. Just do not let him get into a rhythm because you don't want a boxer of that quality getting into getting into a rhythm. I mean, Joe, I'll, I'll tell you the tactics right now for Joe, for Joe against Usyk. It's 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 come forward and let's have it smother and bully that's it that's it that's the that's the that's the the tactic there's no secret there joe will just literally tuck up and go to and go to town on him Hmm. uh sam just before we let you go are you anything to do with costume design by the way for your uh for your heavyweight no, listen to me. I, this is what I mean. People, people are saying this. I won't say the words that people said about that juggernaut helmet, but it, juggernaut off the X Men about what it looks like. But the fact is, Joe was the most googled fighter on the planet for two days straight. So whatever we did, it's worked. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I, I thought. I actually, I got to say, I thought I was watching an episode of Blue Peter when he walked in. But <laughs> someone had made a hat out of cardboard, out of cardboard boxes. I'm sorry, but it was Sophie like... Whitham. Sophie Whitham from Fight Label will not be very happy with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Now, my mate, Gareth A. Davis, is out in the States at the moment, and he's sticking his microphone in everybody's face, including top-ranked supremo Bob Arum. And he's got him talking about all different types of topics, none more so than the heavyweight division. Let's start off, shall we, by talking about the AJ Usyk fight. I know Alexander Usyk very well, and I consider him a friend, a really personal friend, because he is the best friend of Vasily Lomachenko. And so I've been around him now for years. Uh, he is uh, one of the most mature uh, guys that you could meet in boxing. He knows where he's at. Uh, and uh, with Papa Lomachenko training him for the fight, uh, he will be the best possible Alexander Usyk. Now, that being said, he may be just too small uh, to fight Joshua. Joshua was by far the bigger guy. Usyk as uh, a cruiserweight, which he dominated that division, was a tremendous boxer, but you don't see many knockouts on his record, even in the cruiserweight. So how you could imagine him knocking out Joshua, that seems far-fetched. Uh, so the question is, can Usyk win a points a decision against Joshua? And it's hard to see how he can last the full 12 rounds with the naturally bigger Joshua. Uh, Bob Arum speaking to uh, Gareth a little earlier on this week about AJ versus uh, Usyk, which is taking place on September the 25th. Uh, if all being well at Spurs Stadium. It is interesting because the conversations have begun, Gareth, about how tactically we believe that this fight will play out. And, of course, the size mm. and the power advantages are in the favour of the unified champion in Anthony Joshua. But we haven't to underestimate Alexander Usyk, who was the former cruiserweight, undisputed champion, Olympic gold medalist. I've said, I've said on many occasions that I think Usyk is uh, Anthony Joshua's biggest professional test to date. And I'm throwing everybody in there, even Klitschko and what have you. I think in the build-up to this fight, I'm looking at this fight as Anthony Joshua's biggest test. I will keep that same energy at the end of it. I favour Anthony Joshua uh, going into the fight, but I honestly believe, and you touched upon this with Sam a moment or two ago, uh, Sam Jones, um, um, 
uh, Joe Joyce's um, manager for people that have just tuned in. I personally think that Anthony Joshua has to go back to Anthony Joshua 1.0, the original version, not the one that we've seen that's jab-heavy of recent times where he takes his time getting into a fight, where he's a little bit more calculated. Because I think that then gives Usyk time to get a rhythm going. And once he gets a rhythm going, he's very hard to break out of that rhythm. I think we put it on him early. I think we go back to the rock'em, sock'em robots. Let's stick it on this fella nice and early from Anthony Joshua. I don't know how you're feeling, but I think he's got to let Usyk feel that power nice and early, mate. It's a strategy, but I think somewhere in the middle for me, because, that, that again, we haven't t- talked about what Usyk can do in this fight. There is no doubt at all that Usyk has the footwork and positional knowledge and um, intelligence to get Joshua in the wrong position yeah. and, and detonate with that long left hand if he can, if he can turn Joshua. Whether he can do that or not, I don't know. Um, but if I was Rob McCracken and in Joshua's camp, I kind of agree with you in a lot of ways that you need to have a degree of aggression against this guy and and generalship in the ring. Make him do all the moving around. Do not let you get cornered or centered because that's what he's going to look for. He's going to look... Um, we saw it against Tony Bellew, actually. Yes. Just as he tired a little bit, he detonated right, left, and he's gone. And I think that's the that's the only risk I see for Joshua. It would not surprise me to see a little bit of wobble early on from Joshua where Usyk tries to detonate early as well because he might want to throw everything at Joshua. To go all out, we won't see it because Joshua will always be scarred by that smaller man, Andy Ruiz. There will always be the scars there for me. So I think he has to be careful early on but like you say when he's in range without overreaching he's got to detonate against this guy and 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 do more than don't do you, do you remember you sit bouncing off the ropes against chisora when chisora came after him and you could see on you face wow i'm in with a big guy here a big guy that doesn't give a monkeys he does not give a monkeys he's coming forward he's going to knock me around as much as he can and then Usyk, as you say got into his rhythm and he found it. Derek tired. Joshua must not go through the tired spell in this fight. I think he'll get the job done by around by about round round eight because he will really hurt Usyk. He's going to hit him at some point, mm. and he'll detonate. And I think he'll hurt him. He'll be just be too big, too powerful, too strong. And I think he'll stop him. I'm glad you brought up the Bellew fight because I think it's a good comparison. Because what I mm. found in that in that particular fight is that Tony was winning early, um, but he was in fifth gear. And he was in fifth gear because Alexander Usyk, the way that he mastered range and footwork, he made Tony do things when Tony not necessarily wanted to do things. And he tied him out. And then, obviously, like you just said, he detonated on him when the time was right to do so. I feel that Usyk will adopt a similar strategy with uh, Anthony Joshua. So it will be interesting to see the condition that Anthony Joshua comes in for this fight. Because if you've rightfully said, if we're still here in six, seven, eight, Joshua might be miles ahead on the cards. But what's the conditioning like? What's the, what's the lactic acid like in those big muscles? Will will he start to slow? Will he start to tire? And if he does, expect the Ukrainian to uh, to do what he does best and start to put his foot down and go through the gears himself because he's precise. He doesn't waste very much. He's like his little mate, little Lomachenko. They don't waste too much, those guys, do they? Mm. Uh, they conserve that energy. And when they go through the gears, it's a joy to behold. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that I mean, there is one of the... 
you know, people in the mainstream don't realise it, you know, when they come to Joshua fights, like, you know, we're, we're insiders on the sport and, you know, that we always know that Anthony Joshua is, you know, he started early, he found success very early on Olympic gold medalist after 30 odd amateur fights, came into the sport late. So from the moment he beat Charles Martin to win the IBF title and then won the WBA title against Klitschko on an amazing night four years ago, just over four years ago, and then won the WBO title from Joseph Parker. He has been on a massively big learning curve. I mean, one of the things that Bob Arum, I don't know if we're going to play it out tonight. One of the things that Bob Arum was saying is, Anthony Joshua is remembered in America as the big guy that came over from Britain and was beaten by the little chubby Mexican. That's what he's now remembered for. And I don't know whether Anthony Joshua needs to conquer America or not. He may not need to. He may never need to do it. I do hope we go to Vegas for a fight with him at some point. But Tyson Fury is the heavyweight they all talk about here. Um, so um, I've just kind of run myself around in circles. I can't even remember what I was answering just then. But, <laughs> but look, but no, but the point being, there's always vulnerabilities about Anthony Joshua. And that's what makes this fight interesting with Usyk, basically, against a general in the ring. He's much smaller, but so brilliant. Now, you know when Gareth gets going with Bob, those conversations go on for hours and hours and hours. Next up, these boys started talking about some other heavyweights, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, and a little bit of the AJ situation too. Let's get back to uh, more Bob Arum conversations with Gareth A. Davis. I'll tell you something, it should be a reality TV show, this, mate. We should get cameras to follow you around as you are doing these type of trips uh, out to the States because not only were you talking about Usyk and AJ, you've, you've obviously been talking about the big heavyweight uh, in uh, Tyson Fury and his upcoming fight with uh, Deontay Wilder. Yeah, I mean, did you see that when he left his house, I went to his house in Vegas and stole his belt, um, which was fun. And I, I, I even, weirdly, um, I will reveal this. I was with his logistics manager and getting a tour of the house. And uh, we got locked in the panic room at one point. We couldn't get out of the panic room upstairs. Like all the, these, you know, it was in a gated mansion behind, behind two, he's bought a house, hasn't he, in a suburb of Las Vegas. We had a lot of fun. The next day I went to see Bob Arum because I wanted to get to the, bottom of you know live in front of Bob Arum I hadn't seen his face for 17 months and he had some very interesting theories that I hadn't heard up till now about Joshua and Fury would have gone ahead if everything had been signed and it wasn't signed and that they would have been able to get a different arbitration ruling now Bob is famous for you know um spinning a lot of spinning like yesterday he was <laughs> was lying to us today he's telling us the truth it's a very famous line about bob Arum. i'm not slandering him there it's I'm, I'm referring to historical fact yeah um but he had a lot of theories about fury and wilder and also the fact that maybe moving it to october the 9th does help it in fact because maybe people will be able to travel by then but um do you want to hear it do you want to yeah, hear what he told us? Absolutely. Well, Go for it. Well, let's hear it then. So we didn't think that we would lose this case. But, and I knew, and I knew because we had, you know, previous discussions with the arbitrator, that even if he found for, for Wilder, uh, it would be a question of damages if Fury was contracted to fight Joshua. And I kept telling that to Eddie Hearn. 
And Eddie Hearn kept making it more and more complicated with the Saudis, and we never got a deal done. So when the arbitrator had to make his decision, it wasn't like saying to, uh, to uh, Fury, uh, hey, we're not letting you fight in, 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 the so in Saudi Arabia against Joshua. No, because we hadn't signed an agreement, because we, we were futzing around with the Saudis because of Eddie. And, and not that he was doing anything wrong, but we were counseling him, for example. They would have come up with a substantial number for, for a site fee and promotion and, uh, and maybe Mideast television, could have made that deal. Instead, Eddie pushed them to buy all of the rights. The problem there is, if you're buying all of the rights, you don't know anything about the television. So you're not stupid, even though it's oil money, you want to know what you're buying. And that delayed everything. They wanted to see Top Rank's contract with ESPN. They wanted to see the contract with uh, Sky. They wanted to see Frank's contract with BT and discuss at this point and that point all legitimate inquiries. But we, but we got due diligence. But we got into this mess because Eddie insisted on selling them everything. If it had just been limited to the site, we would have got the thing done, and the judge wouldn't have, would have allowed the fight to happen. The arbitrator. And what would he have done in that case? Then? He would have awarded some damages, maybe financial. Financial. But Wilder said he didn't want to take damages. He wanted to take the fight. Again, it wasn't up to Wilder to decide. It was up to the arbitrator. Once the the arbitrator said no, Fury, you've got to fight Wilder again because you're not obligated to fight Joshua. Then it was Wilder's position, either to take damages or to insist on the fight happening. So basically it was literally because the fight wasn't completed. That is absolutely correct. That's absolutely correct. It's a whole different legal standard. If you're contracted and you can't do, does he then enjoin a, a contract that was entered into? Becomes a whole different story. And he told me he wouldn't do it. That's why I was going nuts trying to get the deal done. And I don't blame the Saudis. I blame Eddie Hearn for overreaching. <laughs> oh, <laughs> mate. I'm telling you, it needs to be a reality TV show, Gareth, what you do here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, Bob's got his own theory. Um, it may have been the case. I tell you what, it, we spoke for about three hours when I went to his office about lots of things. We spoke for about an hour on what went wrong with the fight and everything. I think it was, who'd want to put the richest fight in British boxing history on, you know, with the layers of complexity? Yes, we all would. But I tell you what, they got in the mud and in the mire with that, with the way that it all worked out in the end. I mean, I've I got to say, there was a sense of relief when Wilder and Fury was made for me because, like, it, it just ended weeks and weeks of confusion. I could not get to the bottom of it. And a lot of people felt like that. 
And I think there were layers where they never sat around a table. I think this was COVID affected as well. We know it was COVID affected where it was going, but I think it was COVID affected where people weren't sitting down with each other and weren't traveling and weren't around each other. And it was a fine mess everybody got into. And you kind of heard it there with the, the graph of what Bob Aram was explaining. He's got one theory, Eddie's got another, Frank Warren's got another, Tyson Fury's got another. 258 management have got another. And, you know, you will have spoken to a lot of them as well. I did. I could not get to the bottom of it. I genuinely thought we were 48 hours away from it being announced. But mm. we were a million miles away. A million well, miles. Luckily, their schedules do align. We've got 25th mm. of September. We've got 9th of October. So that's not too far apart from both of these guys. And if everything goes to plan, um, the talk of uniting those guys... I mean, Eddie this week has said that it will be, what, February, March, April, maybe at the start of next year. Is, is Bob on sync with that? Is, that? is that where we're looking at the start of 2022? Well, absolutely. And we've also got a dispute between Eddie. And we've heard Eddie say in the last kind of week that what's Bob Aram saying? It's going to go to, to the UK early in the year and it would go to Cardiff. I, th I agree with Eddie that it needs to go to Wembley, but I think it will go to Saudi um, kind of early in the year and then to Wembley uh, for the second fight. And as Sam Jones, uh, uh, Joe Joyce's manager, has told us tonight, the soundings everyone's getting is if they have the first fight, damn the belts in the second fight. It doesn't matter. They're just going to have the championship of each other if a first fight merits a second fight. Because they won't need belts, will they, by the second fight? So hopefully it will all work out that we go to the Middle East early in the year for both guys, like February, March. And then we do a late summer fight in the UK if they, if they have a rematch. Now then, let's take a little bit of a break from Gareth's conversations with Bob Aram, because in the middle of the show, uh, a fantastic performance from Nottingham's own Lee Wood as he beat Can Zhu uh, as the main attraction for Fight Camp Week 1 at Matchroom HQ. We were very, very lucky in the immediate aftermath of that victory for Lee Wood. We got him straight on the show, and you'll be able to tell with the elation in his voice how happy the lad was. We're talking about guys who are eating at the very top table now of, uh, of elite sport, and very kindly, I believe that we managed to get hold of a man who's put in a performance of a lifetime this evening, Nottingham Zone, Lee Wood. Lee, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? And uh, I'm, I'm still, I'm still on cloud nine. It's the sun sinking in. Uh, I've just the clock's hit. It's my birthday, so um, I'm not sure quite what to do yet. You know, I want to get a shower and uh, go see my friends and family and that. And look at you! You've given up time to come and speak to uh, me and Gareth on Talksport. So we, th we thank you very much uh, for <laughs> no doing problem. that. Listen, we, we've been on the radio for the majority of the night, and uh, we've caught obviously your performance out the corner of my eye. And as I'm watching it, I'm just thinking to myself, you, 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 you felt. It did, uh, genuinely now, mate, this is probably the biggest compliment that I compare you against Kanzu. I know that he's a volume puncher, and I thought he was coming and throwing the kitchen sink. You didn't look like you got out of third, fourth gear, mate. You looked like you were totally in control from the very start of that fight. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I only had six weeks' notice for that fight. So, um, I didn't Less. have time. It's five and a half, five and a half. Don't do yourself a disservice. It was five and a half weeks. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, you don't train for your last week, so I only had five weeks of training. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of them. He's a tough kid, a uh, very tough, tough kid. He took some big shots all fight. My hands are killing me. But, um, you know, it was down to the game plan with Ben. He, he made me look fantastic. And, um, you know, I can't, I can't give him enough credit for, ex for I had to execute it, but I can't give him enough credit for the game plan and making me drill it time and time again. And, um, I said to everyone, it's going to be a career-best performance, and that's my mindset going into it, and um, I, I delivered. 
Oh, many congratulations, Lee. Sorry I couldn't be there tonight. I'm out in Los Angeles covering a Bellator mixed martial arts event, but we spoke in the build-up to this, and you said you were going to take your opportunity and that it's helped you working with Ben Davis. And Adam and I were, were waxing lyrical about your performance and who you might fight next, because there are so many great opportunities now. I know it's just happened, but there are so many opportunities opportunities for you now to fight great British fighters, uh, Adam mentioned Leo Santa Cruz, and even and I know he was commentating on, on it tonight, for someone, Carl Froch, you could still be the most famous boxer from Gedling <laughs> <laughs> You know, we went to the same school, uh, the same amateur club, and to be fair I, I owe Carl a lot, you know, he's been an inspiration for me I, I watched him from when he made his debut um, I watched him win all his titles at, in, in Nottingham um, yeah, he's been a big part to play in my career, and if he, like watching him do it and giving me inspiration to do it myself. What about Lee. what about next though? Who do you want? Sorry, Adam. Who do you want to fight next? Have you well, got it in your mind yet? Well, I was going to say, listen, I was going to say, get them get them hands in ice, right? This is, we're living in crazy times now, Lee. You don't know what's <laughs> going to happen next week, right? Something might happen. You never know, pal. They might need someone to step in at last minute, and you're red hot right now. You may, you keep yourself in good nick. I want the biggest fight uh, possible, you know. Um, you know, Dickens and Galahad, I've got my eyes on that next week. Um, people might say, oh, it's a regular title, so let's fight for the super champion. Let's, let's fight another right for the WBO. And whatever, whatever fight's the biggest, um, I'll let Eddie, Eddie uh, have that conversation with Ben. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm 33, just the clock's ticked, so I just turned 33. I've got some years left that I want to make the most of it. I want to be in the best fights and the biggest fights possible. So we'll leave it down to them, and uh, I'm ready to mix it with any of them guys. Lee, I know that you obviously want to get off and speak to your family and eat pizza for crying out loud, but just um, just on the, the, the last year, um, obviously we've been living in a crazy time, COVID, and people have you know, had to cut the cloth accordingly. Talk to me about the mentality of staying ready, because like you said, this opportunity came five, six weeks ago. You got the call. It came from left field. Nobody really saw this coming. But being ready, staying ready, staying mentally and physically ready enabled you to step in last minute and look at what's happened this evening. <laughs> That's it. Um, I learned that um, with, with the Ingle Gym, to be honest, with Brendan. He used to say to me uh, all the time, you know, staying ready, opportunities always come. And it's not only, you're not in the gym waiting for a date. You're in the gym developing all the time. You know, you can't become a world champion overnight. It takes years and years. And I've been in the gym for the, for the past 11 years, learning my craft as a pro. And I'm always in and out of the gym, uh, making sure I'm, I'm mis- making sure I'm ticking over. And luckily, you know, as always, I've been doing that, and the opportunity came. Lee, watching the fight in little clips as we were live on the on the on Talk Sport tonight, and just seeing little clips of it. You know, you both went at it. We talked about your style and his style in the build-up. What was Ben saying in the corner in those last few rounds? And where did you feel you? Did you feel you were ahead in the fight and that you needed a stoppage or not? No, I didn't feel like I needed the stoppage at all. I, um, I felt like I won the majority of the rounds. Mm. But the big shots I was landing over the tall rounds were taking the toll. And I know the word I said before, everyone said, I, I, how's it going to go? I said, it's down to him how it goes, because I know I'm going to be landing power shots and I know I can land up the tall rounds for the way I'm going to be fighting the, in the game plan. Um, so it's all down to what... what he can take, um, but they, had, they, had, they took the toll on him over the 12 rounds. The shot I landed in the last round wasn't as big as the shots I landed earlier, but it was accumulation. And uh, yeah, I landed that shot, um, got the job done in the last round, and you know it was kind of the icing on the cake. I think I think that's the right way of looking at it, Lee. Because I've just looked at the judges' scorecards. I think the the smallest gap is three. 
rounds. You've, you've outboxed him on everybody's card there and you've finished him as well, which, like you said, is a nice little cherry on top of the cake. Listen, I'm going to be greedy and your fans are going to be greedy, mate. We want a trip to Vegas, you know. Nobody's been allowed to go anywhere for 18 months. Santa Cruz, come on, son. You've not been in this division for two and a half years. Let's put your money where your mouth is. Let's bring yours. He'll bring his and we'll get it on in Vegas. Are we in? Are we in, Lee, or what? <laughs> Whatever, mate. Look, I'll, I'll take whatever fight. Uh, it's got to make sense. Um, you know, I've always wanted the city ground. I said there's three things last, this, less than a year ago. I think it was last October. I said um, I want to win the British title, take yep. a box phone, hopefully win a world title, ticked, yep. and want to be the first person to headline at the city ground. Don't know if it's going to line up. Um, it has to happen in summer. Obviously, uh, football's back now. Yeah. But there is international break coming up uh, in a few months and that. So, I don't know. Who sees? Who knows? But if anyone can do it, Eddie can do it. Mate, make it happen. Congratulations tonight, mate. It was, a, it was an absolute joy to watch. I'm actually going to watch it back. As soon as we finish the show, I'm going to watch it back. What's the, what's the food of choice? Is it pizzas, curries? What are we going for, pal? What are we fattening up on? I'm pizza tonight. I Good love. Plain margarita with a garlic dip. And yes. I love puddings. My auntie works in a school kitchen, so I'm yeah. sure I'll have cornflake, tongue custard, jam oil, custard. Yeah. <laughs> Milk it, sir. Go swimming in it. Go and enjoy yourself, pal. <laughs> Listen, Lee, superb performance. Congratulations once again, mate. Enjoy it. Take care. Brilliant. Thank you. Top man. Yeah, there you go. Lee Wood, Brilliant. performance of the night tonight. Listen, there's been some great performances um, on uh, Fight Camp Week 1. And they've kind of raised the bar for the, uh, for the other two fight camps that are coming up over the next couple of weeks. We saw, of course, in the British Commonwealth and European uh, title fight, a good fight between both men of which Chris Billum-Smith came through and had his hand raised. And Lee Wood, listen, he was the betting underdog. Going into that fight, he was the betting underdog. I know that Kan Zhu obviously hadn't fought since the back end of 2019. Very highly ranked featherweight, as I've said, with the Ring magazine, right up there with the very best in the world. Lee got this opportunity on five and a half weeks' notice, and he's put manners on him. It's not one of them where he's just hit him and knocked him out with a lucky shot. He's put manners on him for the best part of 12 and a half rounds and then stopped him. There's no better way to win than in Adam, any type of title fight than like that. Adam, I've done, I've done two stints on the radio with Lee in the build-up to this, and I've said on both occasions I have a funny feeling that you can hear he's so clean in his mentality. And this is where I think the matchmaking was brilliant because... Shu Can was something like three knockouts in 25 fights or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In favor of him. He was a, he's a volume guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a volume puncher. He's a very good technical boxer. And you can argue that, you know, Ring Magazine might not recognize this as a full world championship. But for Lee Wood, this is the night of his life. And he prepared for this, as you say, sometimes when you've got a shorter period to prepare and not too long to think about it, it can work in your favor. Just had an instinct about this all the way. And I know Ben would have been drilling him to keep it really simple and really push him into, you know what you've got to do. Smother him, throw big punches, take his punches, take him into deep water. And that's how he won the fight tonight. And in the end, he actually won it easy. I didn't, I hadn't seen the details on it being three rounds ahead at least. I just wondered whether they thought it was close going into the final few rounds. Yeah, Andy Lee was on, I think, commentary TV and he had it won. But his was the closest card. I've looked at all three official judges um, and they all had him three rounds up going into uh, the final round. Then he obviously ended up getting the stoppage at the end as well. Great performance from Lee Wood. Congratulations to him.
There you go. There is one happy sheriff of Nottingham. Couldn't resist that one. I, I apologise for that. Um, now, let's get back to Bob Arum, shall we? Because uh, Gareth A. Davis has been asking him about the situation with Vasily Lomachenko. You have recently, obviously, been catching up with uh, Bob Arum and speaking uh, quite extensively uh, about one of my favourite fighters in Vasily Lomachenko. I put um, a social media post out. Uh, maybe last week or so, just about the attitude of Vasil Lomachenko, because it's quite obvious he wants a rematch. He wants a rematch with Tiafimo Lopez. He wants a shot back at uh, becoming the undisputed uh, lightweight world champion. It doesn't look like that is coming anytime soon. So his attitude of then going going through Tiafimo's um, resume and dismantling mutual opponents in maybe in a more impressive manner is for me what is beautiful about boxing. We don't need rematch clauses all the time. We just need guys with tremendous attitudes to prove a point that they are worthy uh, of getting another shot at the very top crown. People will say that Lomachenko's already worthy of that, but I kind of like that he is a double Olympic gold medalist, a former multi-weight world champion. He's just going, right, bring me Nakatani. I'll smash him up. Now then, bring me Richard Comey. Or bring me this guy, or bring me whoever. It, it doesn't matter who it is. And I know that you've been catching up with Bobby's promoter this week. Um, what's been the latest regarding the com- conversations around Lomachenko and when we're, we, we can expect to see him out next? Well, as you say, the the he didn't turn up for six rounds just to backtrack a little bit against uh, Tiafimo Lopez, who's naturally bigger man. He, they were fighting at lightweight, weren't they? Mm. Tiafimo Lopez is a natural lightweight, if not a light welterweight. He's a big, strong bull of a man and a very talented boxer with massive self-belief. I think Vasil Lomachenko went into that fight, and he's naturally a weight division or two smaller than Lopez. Wasn't on in tune, wasn't on song on the night, didn't get going for six rounds. Found it very hard to accept defeat that night. Um, went a little bit. Deontay Wilder on us for a just couple a of weeks. Just a touch, he yeah. did. Yeah, you're right, but, he did. Yeah, um, if I'm honest, you know, and I love Loma as well. I love working around him. I've seen you blush when you <laughs> met him. All the time. Uh, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> uh, hey, I made the mistake of throwing the head kicker at him once and he came at me with a flying knee. Um, <laughs> like like he was on suddenly. I, he could, that guy could do well in Emma. Um, He's a wonderful person. He kind of got over the mental hurdle that, he didn't believe, he, he watched it back and he still didn't believe he'd lost because he wasn't really beaten up. He just didn't get going in the fight. The whole saga around him and Lopez is that Lopez then fell out with top rank, didn't he? Yeah. Because he, and this is worth explaining because a rematch between those two was a given because you, you wanted to see if Lopez could do it twice and you wanted to see if Loma could get it back. But you know that Lopez wants a lot of money in order to do that. Because he's just taken the golden chalice, yeah? The fight will happen next year. Bob Arum is saying it will definitely happen. We're going to hear from him in a minute. But the, the key was they couldn't get that fight on without a crowd. Yeah. And because of that, and these new organizations like Triller were coming and offering more money, Lopez had his head turned. Instead of realizing that these things evolve over time, you become a star. He thought by beating Lomachenko, he was a mainstream star. He isn't. The star of that division is Ryan Garcia. What, I don't care what anyone says, he's the golden goose for everyone. He's the guy. He's probably 10 million Instagram followers now. I haven't looked for a couple of weeks, but it was eight and a half million the last time I looked. 
that kind of following that big for a boxer means that they are the one that draws the mainstream. And I think it's good that Lopez is back on track with top rank again. It's a clear sign that they're looking to make that fight. But I don't think it will happen till either very late or early next year because they need to guarantee a crowd wherever they're going to do it. But they could take it to Florida or Texas where crowds are allowed. Mm. But that's not the top-ranked Bob Aaron policy at the moment. But do you want to hear from Bob? Yeah, let's hear from Bob, especially on the Lomachenko thing and when we can expect yeah. to see him out next. If he gets through Cambosos, you are looking to do Tiafimo, uh, Lopez and Vasily Lomachenko too in a big stadium? Or uh, well, what, 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 again, again, one step at a time. Depends on the time of year, mm. because obviously you don't go into a big stadium. Uh, there aren't that many indoor big stadiums. There are some, and it's the football season. It depends. But it is dep- it a fight they want and a fight you want? A fight, I, I, well, I think it's a fight that where the remuneration for the fighters will be such. Clearly Lomachenko mm. wants that fight. And if the money is right, uh, Diafimo would do that fight. Um, Loma took that defeat very badly, didn't he? He found it hard to accept defeat. To get yeah. back. And he clearly didn't get going for six rounds. Well, he had, a bad, he had a bad shoulder. Yeah. You know, he was operated on yeah. right That's after the fight. Since. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, you know, he's, this is a guy who we need to see more of. Yeah. You know? Well, he's definitely going to fight in December. Mm. And the question is, who will fight? Mm. But if so, again, one step at a time. I like that. He's he knows he knows it's a it's a huge money fight, and you're right in what you said a moment or two ago, Gareth. Obviously, fans are imperative for that fight because listen, they blessed us the first time by putting it on behind closed doors in a time where we were absolutely desperate to see the best against the best. They gave us a little bit of a treat, and we got it. And um, fair play to both of those guys, and obviously Bob as well. The second fight, it is a it's a crazy, crazy, crazy fight, um, and he's worthy of a, a, a huge fan base as well, especially uh, in Las Vegas. There you have it. That was this week's Fight Night. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe via iTunes. You can also do that via the TalkSport website. We've plenty more Fight Sports content coming your way in the not-too-distant future, and we hope to be ringside again very, very soon. So make sure you keep listening to TalkSport. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 